good, better, best. Never let it rest until the good becomes better and the better becomes best. Welcome to the show, everyone. Craig and Jonah. So uh, today's topic is going to scare the bejeebies out of you. Well, I was listening to uh, a talk by Father Chad Ripperger. He's an exorcist. And and I think just for context, I believe he's a member of the Saint Society of St. Pius X. I, oh, really? I didn't know that. I'm not. I'm sorry. I don't oh. think so. I think he's a fraternal society of St. Peter. Okay. I think he's What does that mean? So you guys will have to fact check me. Not not on what what it is, but whether he's part of it, but I believe he's a Latin mass priest for the Society of St. Peter, which is a um they're in line with Rome as opposed to the okay. Society of St. Pius X, which doesn't necessarily recognize the pope. But they're close to being on the fringe. Is that what you're saying? Well, they're 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 tr they're trads, but they're not officially schismatic okay. for the most part. But right. they're they're very traditional. Well, I'm glad he's in good standing then. Yes. <laughs> so, anyways, he gave this talk on spiritual warfare and marriage, and I really enjoy listening to Exorcist talk because obviously they you're weird. They battle. He said you know, this stuff to me, and I'm like. <laughs> I got enough stuff to worry about. Well, it's interesting. I mean, they're okay. definitely battling, you know, every day uh, with the enemy. And uh, so, anyways, he said that it is a mortal sin to send your child to daycare unless there's a serious reason. And, <laughs> and it's complicated because, on one hand, you can clearly see his line of reasoning as far as people might be motivated only by money and less on the needs of their child. On the other hand, is it bad for like middle class people to have both parents working so they can afford like a, a home in a nicer area or a new car or to send their kids to Catholic school? You know, those are complicated situations. And anyways, so I sent that talk to my wife and um, Dolores listened to it. And the only, and it was a great talk. It was interesting, like thought provoking. But the only thing she got out of it was the marital debt. <laughs> Isn't that funny? <laughs> and it's like no, no, there's a lot more there than that because she had never heard of it before. And uh so I had I you know I tried to share with the other finer points other than the marital debt, but and it made her really scrupulous. Okay. The whole talk. So I'm not sure, you know. <laughs> you know, it, it scrupulosity is never a good thing. <laughs> What's your next question? I can see it. Yeah, I mean, scrupulous if, if the wife feels like she's obligated to the marital right. Assume that's where you're going. I yeah. mean, I'm not saying I'm that. definitely against that. Too. Well, yeah, yeah. No, nobody wants scrupulous sex. <laughs> is, it, is it worse than no sex? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I, I, don't know, what I know what happens when that happens. Yeah. <laughs> Take your poison. Uh, yeah. You know, I, I, there's this tension because I, you know, if you read like 
the St. Alphonse is the gory types or whatever and talks about how uh, what an enormous burden and obligation it is for us as parents and as fathers to see our children to heaven. And I get that. Like, like I think about that. And when I, when I, when I stop to think about it a lot, paranoia starts to set in mm-hmm. because it's like, how, how rigid are you supposed to be? Like, I, like on the one hand, I'm like, what could possibly be more important for my kids well-being than their salvation? So you're like, why am I spending any time playing baseball with them or fishing or mm-hmm. whatever? Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I don't think we're growing up in a monastery is the right thing. No, I don't think there's so that rebellion that can happen. I've seen it. I've seen kids that grow up in very ultra strict traditionalist households go off and rebel. And, but in St. John, I guess uh, he liked to go hunting. And so they said that somebody asked him one time how somebody, a man of his like spiritual stature could go hunting. And he just said that, uh, it's like having a bow drawn back too tightly all the time. You you just can't keep it there because it'll wreck the bow. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think that that can happen. Like if you grew up in a in a house where you, you know, like you said, there isn't uh, room for hobbies or whatever, and it's all focused on you know theology and I don't know. Like that's how you balance the life that we're supposed to enjoy, but then also give our lives to God. Well, and it reminds me of. Uh, we talked about Father Croup on our last episode, and we'll link to him below. Um, he he had some. I've been starting. You might really, if you if you more or less like this content, I think you'll really like Father Croup's content. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, he's he's funnier, <laughs> more or less. He doesn't crack masturbation jokes the way we do, but nope, that's true. Hold on, yep, but he. Uh, you know, he taught. He was talking about the trad problem and how, like, th- this whole question about are the f- are only a few saved, and he kind of reoriented and he said, "Look, you know, none of this is possible without grace." And 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 you can, you can go to confession every two weeks. You can go to daily mass. You can do your rosaries. You can do all those things without God's grace. Like those are all things that humans can do. And convince themselves I'm doing all the things, but at the end of the day, salvation is is a grace from God. It's a gift from God, and um, you know I think I think in some ways you have to apply that here and say, you know what, you know, be reasonable, do your best with your children. But at the end of the day, it's sort of up to them and God, because like I said, I've seen ultra traditionalist kids go off and rebel and lose the faith. I've seen kids that grow up in a very nominal Catholic household become, you know, extremely virtuous on by appearances, at least. And having a good dad is important in shaping that. And I don't know. I mean, I, I, I don't know. I mean, if I could go back and do it all over again, I'm sure I would change some things. Um, maybe at certain times I'd be a little less strict and sometimes I'd be a little more strict. I don't know. Um, you know, I've got, I got nine children. I, I I mean, I, I hope that they all live very holy and faithful lives, but I suspect statistically there's going to be a few in there that are going to, you know, maybe not follow that path. And what do you do with that? Mm -hmm. But I do want to, 
I kind of want to bring it back to some of the stuff that we talk about a lot on this show. And, you know, there's this strange tension between what we're told or some would tell us about parenthood, fatherhood, and the sort of how, I guess, accountable we are or could be for our children's um, moral health. And, but, but then on the other hand, there's this very almost um, lackadaisical or um, just kind of randomness open to life. Like, <laughs> you know, if you're a natural family planning Catholic or if you're a Catholic, let's say that doesn't use any of that. It's like, we're just open to life, whatever. <clears throat> you, I mean, not that you don't want your children and that you're not okay getting pregnant, but there isn't a level of intentionality every time that you create a human life, especially if, if you have an oopser here or there. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, you, sort of by definition, you're going to have probably more children than you would, you know, if I sat down and say, okay, let's have another child. Like we want to have another child. I think I think most most of us that are sort of on the, traditional side of things are going to have more children than than we would just like purposely okay now's the time to have a child okay mm-hmm. oh we're pregnant yeah god god be praised uh wasn't necessarily part of our plans but we're open to life and so you have that on the one hand and then here's your uh here's your reward for being open to life yeah if your kid doesn't make it to heaven you're gonna end up in hell i i don't know i don't know what to do about that because for me you know i'm in this situation where i've got i got children that are adults and out of the house and i've got a i got kids that i'm still changing diapers right (laughs) and the three youngest ones we have now you know a lot of people are overwhelmed by three children (laughs) and and the three youngest children we have occupy 75 percent of the energy my wife and i have just trying to keep them safe and from you know fed and clothed and diaper changed and all that. And that that takes away from what i can do for my teenagers when they probably need me more than ever mm-hmm. and i'm not i'm not using it as an excuse but i'm just telling you my teenagers have less of less of a dad available to them than the, because i'm mm-hmm. having to deal with you know to take care of the younger children and i will say this too you know, for us, this is very, very, I would say functional, but we have a small house. Um, we do not have a house that's large enough where we can, the whole family can be in one room together. Like we are by definition spread out. Children end up in their rooms. They got their phones and stuff like that. I mean, I'm not, but if, if we had more money, I would put an addition onto our house that I believe would, would foster uh an environment our home that would um you know be beneficial to our children but you know the realities of life are such that we don't have that in a in a and one of the reasons for that is we have so many children <laughs> <laughs> that's all yeah it all affects each other yeah yeah i mean if you're if you're if you're giving people instruction that's going to result in them having five, six, eight, 10, 12 children, that has a that has a practical effect 
on other parts of the uh, of the of the household mm -hmm. that impact how how the children get through certain phases of their life that is difficult i never thought about that you know like so i grew up in a house where there was only me and my sister mm -hmm. and uh i spent a lot, a lot of quality time with my dad and that's it was really important like uh my dad definitely taught me a lot we spent a lot of time milking cows together but we also went fishing and you know played catch and that sort of thing mm -hmm. but uh you're right i can't imagine what it would have been like if they had had like 10 kids it would have been a lot it would have been a much different upbringing for me yeah i mean and i'm not saying it's not bad, right or wrong but there is there is a price to be paid like there is a there, 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 there is a price paid to the household for this type of life that, you know, I, I think we can't ignore, um, you know, in, we get a lot of grief over on Twitter for bringing Thomas Pelega on, um, got blocked the other night for it. Um, but you know, Thomas was on a, on a podcast recently and I'll link to that below or Andy link to that below. He was, he was now granted it was on a, on a YouTube channel of a former traditional Catholic. Who I think, I think more or less describes himself as agnostic at this point. Oh, really? But it's very, very polite and articulate. I think there's a good chance that we'll have a interview together sometime, but they were talking and they were kind of wrestling with some of these same issues. And one of the, th I don't remember if it was Thomas or the other guy said is, you know, if you look at, let's say a, a traditional Catholic that's not using NFP or whatever, and let's say a Catholic that's using birth control, but has children, there is a level of intentionality that goes with, okay, we're going to stop using the pill. We want to have a child now. We're going to have a child. Like there's a, there's a purposefulness that goes into creating that child mm -hmm. that doesn't necessarily exist. <laughs> For sure. And and maybe that distinction is irrelevant, but Unless it's just... you practice NFP perfectly. Yeah. 99.999% effective. Yeah. I don't, I'd like to see that person. <laughs> maybe yeah. Christopher West. I think they had four or five children. <laughs> but I think for the most of us, you know, we're, we're, we're good, but we're imperfect. And um, I, I mean, I couldn't help but ignore that, especially within the context of this Father Rippinger and others who, who remind us of the great, great responsibility we have as, as parents. Now, not only are you have to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, now you got to like help nine other people get mm -hmm. there and your spouse Whew. Yeah, it's no wonder people ran off in the desert and and became made themselves eunuchs for the sake of the kingdom. It's true, and is that what we should do? It's too late for us, but yeah, <laughs> we're too far into the game. But that guy Daniel on Twitter, he might want to consider that. Yeah, <laughs> that poor guy. Oh. I feel bad for him. Oh my! I just... <laughs> you can see the mental anguish. Yeah, I just. I don't know. I mean, I, I just think we have to come to grips with this reality. Like there is a tension. There is a tension between these two very, I would say, very common Catholic positions that um I don't think I don't think most Catholics have a really good real good answer for. Now, does that mean that 
that God is is not going to hold us as responsible for our children's outcome as we thought, or if that is the standard we held, is God going to be okay with us being more selective about how and when we procreate? I don't know. What so what's worse? To do it all. Yeah. I mean, what's what's more spiritually damaging, you know, using birth control to only get pregnant when you absolutely want to, or you know, uh procreating a bunch of children that end up in hell someday. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I would just say trust in God's mercy because that's all you can ever do. I don't know. I, I hope that those extremes aren't reality. But some would say it is reality. I mean, I see why there's people that think there's like 10% of souls in heaven, but I think that's a high estimate for some people. <laughs> it sure seems foreign to the good news of the gospel to me. Yeah, like uh, I, I just don't see that as being the good news either. Well, you know, one of you might be safe. Yeah. So I don't know. These are things that I wrestle with. Um, I I kind of think more people should wrestle with them a little harder, and maybe maybe people will be just a little more uh, I don't know patient and forgiving of people that are either struggling with fertility, struggling with what the church calls us to in terms of being openness to life, or or patient with people that you know. Their kids are, you know, seem to be falling off the the path a little bit. It's hard. This is hard, hard stuff because just trying to get our own crap in order is hard. Like, you know, we we spent a lot of time on this podcast just talking about Catholic men themselves, your marriage, just just trying to, like, work on your, your marriage and have a good marriage is a lot of work. That takes a lot of time, an extreme amount of time, more than we devote. I would say, yeah. well, for sure, most of us, yeah. I mean, me included. I mean, it, yep. it's difficult to devote that much time yeah. to it. Then you, add, you know, you, then you add on large families and children, and both their physical and their spiritual needs. This is a this is a huge, huge calling. Uh, I think I think we've it's come up in conversation recently about celibacy versus marriage. I I. I feel strongly that not that celibacy in the priesthood is easy, but uh, this is this is heavy, heavy, hard stuff that I think maybe we just don't give ourselves enough grace and don't give other people enough grace for when they just don't necessarily have it all together because. Whew. Yeah, I. I would have to say overwhelmingly and Father Joe agreed with this as well that the priesthood has to be easier on some uh, on most levels than marriage and so the the pros of marriage are that you can have children which is like an incredible blessing yep yep you know and you have a partner that you can communicate with but the problem is that for most people your spouse is the last person you want to communicate with sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like there can be tensions that arise and it yeah. just it isn't always pretty. And that leads to a loneliness that a priest can't even imagine. I think loneliness in marriage is probably worse than loneliness, you know, when you're alone. Well, you can select your relationships a little more. Whereas when you're married, 
if things are if things are going poorly, you're <laughs> you feel like a hostage in your own home sometimes. Yeah. And then the third benefit is sex, which if there's tension, that's not happening either. So like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's I mean, marriage has the capacity to be an enormously fruitful and wonderful, but it also has a capacity to be a very, very lonely and painful place to be. Mm-hmm. And yeah. And that, and that's where obviously a majority of marriages are today. And it's unfortunate. And it, and it makes, and it, and it makes me sad to the extent that that we as Catholics are in any way adding to that mm-hmm. through yep well, our divorce rates are the same yeah um it's it's hard enough as it is but but to the extent that we see I don't say misinformation or inconsistent information out there on how 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 couples are supposed to live their lives um can very much add to that burden. And I would say that growing up for myself, growing up in a, a strong family was a great benefit to me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there was very little conflict in my house growing up. And it mm-hmm. gave me, uh, I grew up with a positive attitude and just um, a lot of confidence mm-hmm. that I think if you grew up in a, like a negative household, you might not have like, but it was a, a great strength for me. I, I know growing up in a good family was a great strength for me. And I was very blessed. Mm-hmm. And you and I both grew up in smaller households too. So, that, oh. <laughs> yeah, because how many siblings do you have? There, it's my brother and I, and then there's a big gap. So, I was a teenager when oh. the next two were born. So, you know, we were more or less two kids for a long time mm-hmm. too. And that's a lot easier for the parents to, yeah. to spread their time, like you said. Yeah, I think, I think. I think it's unfair that people that let's say have smaller families are just always, you know, seem seems to be constantly accused of being selfish and all this and that. And maybe, maybe to some degree that's part of it, but I don't know that that's really all that true. Mm-hmm. I think, I think our parents and people that have smaller families, while maybe, maybe needs some more trust and confidence in God, I think for the most part are just trying to, to live good lives, to love their children, to take care of them. And, and, uh, I just, all the judgment I don't think is all that warranted. Like, is it selfish for your wife to be concerned about having more kids when she nearly dies during a miscarriage? Like, is that selfish? I don't think so, but I think from the traditional point of view, they would say it is. Yeah. And that's really messed up. (laughs) I mean, it is. I agree. I agree. So, I don't know. Uh, I it's hard to when you're trying to like balance all these different ideas and you hear these different schools of thought. Once you kind of feel like you've got figure it figured out, then you're like, then you hear this, you're like, paranoia sets in again. And because if people are going to hell over working, I mean, yeah, yeah, a lot of people are in serious trouble. Yeah, and just a reminder here. Like those of us that are having these kinds of academic conversations are already in a very, very small minority piece of the population. But then, but, but maybe, maybe the ignorance is, is, uh, is saving the population. That's true because they have to have full knowledge and full consent. And I mean, you know, so for a guy to say, <laughs> you know, there's a, it's a mortal sin, they'd have to be fully aware of that. Yeah. And maybe he's doing his best to spread the good news there. Yeah, there, there's a price to be paid for having knowledge, I guess. And uh, 
<laughs> That's true. So, like you said on Twitter the other day, Catholicism—you come for the hope and stay for the suffering. Yes, right. <laughs> That's right. I don't know. I mean, I I think I think people get the wrong impression that we're just like. What's so weird is I've never been happier in my marriage and my, you know, like. I don't know how to explain it. Like when I was much more of a traditionalist, I was far more miserable than I am now, which again, <laughs> what does that mean? Craig, you're not. <laughs> because the issue that I have with the scrupulous traditionalist, that's somewhat miserable and taking out on people on Twitter is that that doesn't attract people to the faith. I think when, when Jesus uh you know set up the foundation of the church it was spread the good news like don't be scrupulous about all this stuff just trust in my mercy like that is the basic message love god and love your neighbor trust in my mercy i did this for you and i love you and uh i want you to spend eternity with me in heaven that is not the traditional message <laughs> well i'm just imagining i'm imagining some some person stumbling onto twitter who's thinking you know what i, I wonder i check out this catholic thing i wonder if that's for me i love all the latin yeah <laughs> these beautiful icons yeah and then they see see us fighting over stupid stupid stuff calling each other heretics and blocking each other and i'm just like <laughs> i don't know <laughs> yeah there's just no way that that viewpoint attracts people and attitude is really what it is i mean i understand that they're arguing from the point of being correct yeah that's fine and that's the letter of the law yeah but there's a spirit of the law and there's a mm -hmm. a way to meet people on their terms that i think god is willing to do i i think that anybody who asks god asks god for help or asks god to reveal himself to them i think god will hear that prayer more time every time i think and you know, there's just no traditionalist that's telling like people that they do not like to join them in mass yeah. or, yeah. you know, pray. Like I think, and that's where, like, I think modern Catholicism in the traditional point of view uh, teaches the faith in the same way that it'd be like teaching somebody about football by telling them about the penalties. Mm -hmm. You know, you just don't start there. You yeah. start by telling them how to gain yardage, how to pray, how to love God, and that God loves you, and not to worry, not to be scrupulous. Mm -hmm. But that's not the message that I get on Twitter, at least. Right. Yep. Yep. I I totally agree. Um, so, I don't know. We're, we're here. We, we continue to try and add our strange little voice to the to the discussion we're crying out from the wilderness yeah so we're we're nothing if not authentic and not, we're not everyone's cup of tea and that's okay um but we but we welcome any opinion or viewpoint to come on the show and explain themselves yeah it just it just turns out that some people are more willing to come on the show than others and it's not it's not for lack of effort on our part mm -hmm. so i don't know it I think if you I think if you think that people are um, platforming viewpoints that you find uh, disagreeable, then take us up on it and come on and and share you know share your piece. And we'll be very charitable. We've yeah. never argued with anybody. Oh, well, on Twitter, but I mean, like Twitter. in 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 a conversational way. Yeah, we we. I mean, you're not going to find a more. <laughs> I don't know. Just... <laughs> 
uh, we'll treat you right. Like yeah. we may, we may not disagree with you. Even when I, when I disagree with people, I guess I get criticism. I bring Thomas Pelag on. I, I don't, there's a lot of things about Thomas that. Yeah. We don't agree with everything he says, but I don't think it's my job to like fact check him and, and push back every time he says something mm-hmm. that I disagree with. Like, That's true. Him... People do feel the moral obligation yeah. to push back on everything. Yeah, I just I don't think that's warranted, and I don't think that I don't think that fosters a a productive conversation between between people. Um, so yeah, come on, do it. You know, we'll give you a chance to talk. We'll ask questions. We'll make jokes. Um, but I think we need more of this mm-hmm. than the other stuff. And less Latin and prickly dialogue. Yeah, there's plenty of that out there. So. <laughs> so come and join us yeah so if you if you like the content please like and subscribe go follow us on twitter um send us a message you can email us really anytime uncharted catholic man at gmail.com is a good way to get a hold of us we're working hard to get over a million subscribers yeah (laughs) we're gonna need a little multiplication of the loads of fishes here i think (laughs) someday you and I are going to have to be eating a little better, probably. <laughs> hey, do the ice plunge. Yeah, maybe that's what I need to, so I can still be doing this at age 145. <laughs> we'll have accrued all kinds of wisdom by then. I hope so. <laughs> I'll have about 95 children. <laughs> so you're saying multiple wives, or perhaps the longevity will also affects your affect your wife's fertility. I'll wear her down eventually. <laughs> I suppose it could be like in the Bible with yeah. uh, Abraham and Sarah. Yeah, yeah that my, that'd be my wife's luck. She'll be 80 or 90 years old. Still ovulating. <laughs> still have to worry about it. Yeah. <sighs> well, if you can keep it up at age 125, <laughs> we'll be proud of you. Yeah, that's that's probably the unfortunately for me the last thing that'll fail. So, <laughs> or due to the advances in modern medicine, maybe it'll be fine by then. Yeah, <laughs> come on, Elon Musk, get that chip going. <laughs> oh man! All right, well, all right. Thanks for listening, everyone. Thank you, Jonah. You bet. And until next time, everyone. Bye. Have a good one. <laughs>